Now, I don't know if you noticed, but last week we started a series called Essentials. And I'm going to be honest, when I first saw that name, I thought immediately it was drawn to essential oils. I don't know if that's what you guys thought too when we came up with that. We promise you, if you're visiting today, we're not selling essential oils. However, if you would like some, Pastor Bruce is going to be in the bag with a booth. He can hook you guys up. Just kidding. He's not, not going to do that. Uh, but yeah, essentials. The point of this series is for us to cover things in the Bible that we will say is essential for our believer to apply and to do in their life in order to grow in their relationship with God. So as we are encouraging each other to grow in our relationship with God, these are things that we need to consider as part of being essential for that. Last week, we covered the idea of prayer, how prayer is, an, is something that every believer needs to participate because it's essential for their growth in their relationship with Christ. Here at Maranatha, we, we value that. We say that grow is an aspect that we want every single believer that comes through this church to grow in their relationship with Jesus. And so that's why we're going to be covering this topic today that it comes to the, uh, the topic of reading the Bible or studying the Bible. Now, before that, I want to bring you guys into a little bit of culture. I want to share with you guys a little bit of culture. Uh, I am originally from the Dominican Republic, and in the Dominican Republic, and I should say in most, if not all, Hispanic countries, there is something that is uh, unique to them, or not unique to them, but it's something that is universal to them, and it's this thing called Bix. I don't know if you guys have ever used Bix. Uh, this, uh, uh, I don't know how you say it, mentol, or, or it's in on the screen. There you go. Viva Peru. There you go. Now, this thing right here, in every single Hispanic country, you have that in every household. And I promise you that every mom, that uh, when, when they are raising their kids, they swear by it. You, it doesn't matter if you have a flu, they'll grab a scoop and put it on it, and you will be cured. It doesn't matter if you have a stomach ache, they'll put it right on your stomach, because they believe that this is the cure for everything. You're losing your hair, they'll put it in your head, it didn't work out for me, but they'll believe that. COVID, no, just kidding, they, they, they don't think it that far. Now, here's the thing, though. To them, it is essential, and I've seen my mom how the, the ways, all the things that she will be willing to do in order to get big. She cannot go to bed unless she puts a little bit of that under her nose. She, for her, that is essential to her life. Now, then I, I came to America, and I moved to New York. That was the first state I ever came to. I moved to New York, and as I was studying in New York, they told me that you need to get something called chapsticks. Because in the cold weather, your lips, some of your lips, your, yeah, your lips will break, will break or something. And so that, apparently that's the cure for it. So then that, in my mind, the only idea or the only understanding to have a chapstick is that you only need it when it's cold. But then I got married. And uh, I learned that chapstick is something that you need every day at all times, no matter the weather. It doesn't matter if it's at 12 p.m. or 12 a.m., you need to go to Walmart and get one if your spouse don't have one. That's what I learned. It's essential. You cannot function without it. Now, for some of us, it may be coffee. We need that cup of coffee before every day. Some of you, when you woke up this morning, the very first thing you did is you went to your kitchen, brewed that coffee. If you're bougie, then you went to Target and got yourself, or no, Target, Starbucks, and you got yourself a coffee. Or maybe outside, you know, we share with you guys a little bit of coffee because we understand that for some of us, it is important to have coffee, right? Then you have others that for them is uh, working out. 
If that's you, I mean, my heart breaks for you. You know, God bless you. I'll tell you this story. Uh, we took Mike Doom, Pastor Mike Doom and his, his wife and another couple to the Dominican Republic on vacation. And I kid you not, we were at a hotel or resort. We were loving life by the pool, sunbathing, not me. And uh, while we were down there, Mike decides to go work out. And in my mind, I'm shocked because why would you go all the way to the Dominican Republic to go lifting? Like, you can do that at home. But for him, he cannot function a day without working out. He needs to work out. And then there's this thing that some of us uh, are, or I shouldn't say addicted, but it may be that we're addicted, which is social media. The very first thing you do when you wake up is that you grab your phone and you look at your social media. The last thing you do in the day, you look at social media. And so I share all of this to prove this statement. That it doesn't matter what it is for you. All of us have a very good idea of those things that are essential for us. We have a good understanding of what is essential for us to function properly. And the thing about it too is that we're willing to do whatever it takes. We're willing to compromise. We're willing to sacrifice. We're willing to fight. We're willing to do whatever it takes for us to get it. And so when it comes to this idea of essential to our faith. When it comes to this idea of things that we need in our life in order to grow in our relationship with God, then the question lies, is, the question that lies is this. Why, when it comes to the Word of God, we don't treat it as such? Why, when we look at the Word of God, we don't look at it as something that is essential in our life? Something that we must have to, to properly function. Something that we must be willing to do whatever it takes to be able to study it and learn from it. So today we're going to be, be in the book of Timothy. Now here's what we're going to do. In the book of Timothy, Paul is going to be appealing to his prodigy Timothy. He's a kid or a young man that he had been investing for quite a while. And in his later time, in, as Paul is getting close to die, he's going to share with Timothy his appeal. He's going to appeal to him as to why he needs to consider the word of God of being intentional or essential. So here's what I want us for us today. I want us that as we're studying this passage, that you will consider that as well. That the words of Paul to Timothy of the Bible, studying the word of God, being essential for growth to properly function, that you will hear that for yourself. That you will recognize yourself too, that you need to have this in your life. That you need to devote time to this in your life. So, before that, I believe that in order to read scripture right, you need to have uh, context in mind. So because of that, we're going to be in chapter 3, verse 1. And this is going to put us a little bit in a context on what's going on. Like I mentioned, Paul is getting ready to, uh, he's close to dying. He's in prison. He's old. He doesn't know if he's going to make it out of this prison. He's in, the, in a Roman imprisonment. Or if he's going to be able to make it out. So he writes this letter to Timothy, a, a young man that he has been investing for quite a while. And he's writing a letter where he's sharing with him, hey, I am hoping that I can get to see you again. I am hoping that I am longing so that I can see you again so that you can bring joy to me. But in case that that doesn't happen, here's a letter with instructions where you can utilize in order to grow deeper in your relationship with God. So chapter 3, verse 1, it says, but understand this, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, that in the last days there will come times of difficulties, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unpleasable, slanderous, without self-control, 
brutal, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, having appearance of godliness but denying his power. So he goes on a very specific description of people that he's going to be surrounding him. And if we're honest, we can all agree that that sounds very similar to our current context, to our current culture. People that are full of themselves, people that devote themselves to their own pleasure, people that just seek to do wrong things opposed to doing the right things. And in that context, Paul is going to address with Timothy the importance of the word of God. He continues to share and say to Timothy, say, hey, Timothy, just like you have followed my example to be steadfast, to love, to faith, to purity, as you have followed those things, I want you to continue and to do those things. And in addition to that, he shares, you also recognize the importance of reading the Bible. How reading the word of God, you have been wise for salvation. And what he means by this is that through the word of God, you've been able to understand the message of the gospel. You've been able to recognize through the Bible your necessity for a Savior and how that Savior is not other one than Jesus. So he shares all of this, and then he makes his plea as to why the word of God is going to be essential for him. As Timothy is taking on the role of a leader in a big church, that it was the church of Ephesus, as he's going to be taking on a rough and tough job, Paul is going to argue with him and appeal for him the importance of Scripture. Now here's what we're going to do before we put it on the screen. Is that I want you guys to not fall on the tendency that most of us fall. When we look at a verse that we often heard, when we look at a verse that we have, are familiarized with, we, are, we have a tendency to dismiss it and to push it aside. So I want to ask you that as we read this verse that you will look at it as if it's the first time you ever heard this. So that you can allow the word of God to speak to you today. So verse 16, it says in chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be completed, equipped for every good work. If you grew up in church long enough, you have heard these verses. It is a chance that you either memorize it as well. It is a passage that we have heard so many times, and if we're not careful, we could easily be dismissive of it. But for today, what I want us to do is to break it down. Break this verse down so that we can allow the word of God to teach us. So, in the very first thing that Paul says is, all scripture is breathed out by God. When was the last time when you read this verse that you stopped and think of that. When was the last time that when you read this verse, you stop and consider what Paul is saying to Timothy? All scripture is breathed out by God. All of it. God, the creator of the world, the one who made a way for you and me to have a way of salvation, the one who provided Jesus, his son, for a sacrifice for our sin, not only did that, but left with us a copy of his word. Have you thought of that? God himself could have not, who could have led us to wonder. I mean, we were the ones who rebelled against him. We were the ones who said no to him. We were the ones, to, we were the ones who choose to sin over and over. And yet, he made a way so that you and I can study his word. So that we can know him and that we can know what to do with our life, how to grow in our relationship with him. All scripture 
spread it out for God. When you look at the Bible, this is not a book that we just have for the sake of decoration where we go into a river room and we put it in a corner and we open it because it was going to look good. This is not a book that we just simply have to access whenever we're feeling sad or sorry. Although you can do that and you should do that, that is not exclusively what it was designed for. It is not a book that you just read when you're trying to make yourself be smart or you're trying to, be, to win an argument. It is God's living word. It is sharper than a two-edged sword, and it has the power to pierce through your soul and to show you your need for a Savior and how Jesus is the only one that can do that. All Scripture is breathed out by God. That is Paul's first argument to Timothy. Then he says, and profitable. It is beneficial. It will be good for you, Timothy, as you take on this role of leadership. It will be beneficial for you in this way. First sin for teaching. The Word of God has what we will call, what we will say, it has everything that we need for doctrine. He has everything that we need to know what is true. In a culture where lies are just flying around, where people say whatever they want, where lies, where, where true is whatever you want it to make it to be, we have the Word of God. That in it, we can know for certainty what is truth. And in those truths, we can base our faith. Paul is saying to Timothy that this book, the Word of God, will be beneficial for you when it comes to teaching, when it comes to showing people the necessity to place their truth, their, their faith in the truth and not in the persuasive of the culture. That although people are wicked, that although people are lovers of self, that although people do whatever they want, we have the Word of God that tells us specifically what we need to in our life, what is truth. In that way, it will be profitable. Then he says, for reproof. The word of God is uh, uh, what I heard many times say. It's like, a, it's like a mirror where you look at yourself and you can see what is wrong with you. It shows you your necessity for a savior. It shows you how you on your own are wicked. How you choose to do evil. How all of us choose to do evil. And in it, the word of God shows and reproves to us our, and shows us that we are sinners. And in doing so, it calls out sin. I am thankful for my parents growing up because my mom made it, up a, uh, made it a purpose to teach us the word of God as a, young, as, a young, as a young kid. Every day she devoted herself to study it with me. Every day she invested in me in studying the word of God till finally I came to realization that because of my sin, I needed a savior. And that savior was only Jesus. The word of God convicted me. It was in the book of Proverbs that says, just as a fool goes back to his fully, so does, uh, uh, what? yeah, I nailed it, this verse. Like a fool, go, like a, there you go, nailed it. Like a dog goes back to his vomit, so a fully repeats his fully, right? That's the verse, nailed it, first try. Uh, now, in that verse, when I read it, I recognized myself as that dog. And coming in a culture where strict dogs are everywhere and they're disgusting, I saw myself as a dog. The word of God used it in my life to show me my necessity of a Savior. And in that moment, I trust Jesus as my Savior. Parents. The word of God is what can help you in teaching and guiding your kids to grow in a life that honors him. He shows them their necessity for a savior. And it's why you have to make this book so important and so inclusive in your life as you're raising them. Without this book, you're not going to have the guidance that you need to raise a family that is honoring and glorifying to God. Then he continues and says, for correction. 
not only shows you that you are a sinner, but it also provides a way for correction, a way of redemption, a way that you can work things out where you can recognize these are the action steps that you need to take in order to continue to live a life that honors him and glorifies him. And then the last one is, and training for righteousness. He has the ability to equip people to trust in Jesus, to grow into relationship with Jesus. And so when Paul is looking at Timothy and he's writing this letter to him, he wants Timothy to recognize the importance of the word of God when it comes to his ministry. He wants them to recognize that the word of God is profitable in that it teaches, it reproves, it corrections, and trains people into righteousness. Now, parents, how are you including the word of God in the way that you raise your kids? How much do you invest in the word of God as you're raising your kids? Husbands, as you love your wives, how much time do you dedicate studying this word as a way to know what is right, as a way to know how, what is expected of you in dealing with her? Wives. What about you? How much time do you spend studying this word, his word, so you can know what is expected of you when it comes to loving your husband and raising your kids? Young man, young woman, how much are you spending studying this word so that you can live pure in a culture that is so impure? Paul continues and says, not only that it's profitable because it will teach, in it you have everything that you need for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Then he says that the men of God may be complete. In other ways that it's translated, it says it will be that the men of God may be capable. That the men of God will be able to stand pure in a culture that is so impure. As we read in chapter 3 verse 1 in the list of the description that he goes. And I'll read it again just for the sake of us being mindful of it. He says, but understand this, that in the last days there will be, there comes a time of difficulties. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedience to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, Heartless, unpleasable, slanderous, without self-control, not loving a good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. That the only way that we can be capable to stand above that, the only way that we can be above reproach to that is through the guidance and teaching of the word of God. And so the only way that you're capable of doing that is if you devote yourself to studying and make it this part of your life. That is the message that Paul wants to Timothy to understand. He wants him to recognize that in that church in Ephesus where people are going to be wicked, where the culture is terrible and rough and it's going to persuade him. And it's going to attempt it and it's going to do things with him where he could fall into temptation. He said the only way that you can stay capable, that you can stay above that, if it's you devote to the study of the word of God. The Bible is essential for growth. And then he concludes, for equipped for every good work. In the book of Ephesians, I'm going to say in Spanish, Ephesians, nailed it, chapter 2, verse 10. Paul shares with the believers there that uh, we have been created for good work. God created you and me before the foundation of the world to do good work. And in this passage, Paul is specifically telling to Timothy that the word of God, God's living word, is capable to equip you and me to do good work. 
You know what does this mean? That none of us in this room have an excuse as to why we're not doing good work. That no one in this room can say, I don't know what to do. That no one in this room can say, the reason why I don't go out and share with my friends is because I don't know what to do. That the reason why I am not faithful to my husband or to my wife is because I don't know what to expect. That the reason why I don't know how to raise my kids is because of this or that. Whatever is your excuse, you don't have an excuse. Because the Bible tells us that everything that we need to do good works is here. And if you devote yourself to it, if you study it, you can find it. Again, if we really recognize that this is God's living word, then why do we not devote ourselves to studying? Why don't we make this part of our life? Why is it that we don't look at the Bible as something essential that we most have and that we most devote ourselves to it? I don't know if you've been following the news, but in recent days, or I should say weeks, uh, the Olympics were happening. And with it, uh, you know, especially in the last few years, a lot of stuff has been going on or, or where people are trying to make political statements. They're trying to make a case for something and, what, you know, whatever, fill the blank. And uh, among all of this, you know, you got athletes that devote their life for this moment. If you, in countries that are third world countries where finances are not easy to get, where our money is not easy to get and to be able to sustain your family is not an easy thing. That the way of living is so expensive and many struggled their entire life through that. This is the only way that they could find a way of hope to their family. So they devote their entire life for this. Now a few, two, or I think it was like a week or so ago, the 400 meter race was going on. And in it there was a Dominican runner, Marilady Paulino is her name. As you can see in the picture, she got second place. She won silver, which is not the best one, but still among all the athletes, she's elite. And as you can see in the picture, she's holding something that for her is the most valuable. La Santa Biblia, the Holy Scripture. As she's standing there and people went after her and they start asking her question about why she did that. When people are using their platform, little platform for political statement to say something, to protest. She's standing there holding the word of God up high so that everybody will see it. And the reason why she did that is because she said, it is the most important thing for me. Because through the word of God, I can know God. Here you have an athlete the prime of her life, she has arrived, she got what she wanted, and yet the most important thing for her is God's word. Listen, if this is really God's word, if this is really profitable for you and me, if this is something that really can make you and me grow in our relationship with God, then why are we not doing everything that we can to make sure that it's part of our life? If we know that this is what we need to properly function, then why don't we do everything that we can to make sure that it's part of our life? You recognize that if it wasn't for this book, we wouldn't know about our need for a Savior. And if it wasn't for this book, we wouldn't know that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your mistakes, for my mistakes. If it wasn't for this book, we wouldn't know that when you're alone and when you're struggling, then when you're having, when you're grieving and you're suffering, if you're a son and a daughter of God, 
you have the certainty that God is there with you. And we can know that for certain because of this book. So if that is true, then why don't we spend the time that we need to spend to study it? Why is it that we look at this as more like a task? Oh, I got to read my Bible today. Check, done. All right, moving on. Oh, I got my notification for that verse of the day. Done it. Check. Oh, man, I forgot today. I'll do it tomorrow. Never mind. I forgot again. Why is it that we don't prioritize this? If you want your family, if you want your marriage, your family, your kids, your Christian life to be a life that honors and glorifies God, then you're going to have to make this a big part of your life. So here are some action steps. And I'm going to just go straight with them. I'm gonna, they're going to be plain and simple, but I hope that, you know, they speak to you. The first one, figure out the time of the day where you can be the most engaged in studying God's word and do it. Studying God's word is simple as just doing it in the sense that you either do it or you don't. You either have an excuse for it or you don't. Now, the tendency can be that we look at it as a task. And we will just grab it and say, okay, I did it today. I studied the word of God today, so I'm good. But we're not actually engaging with the test. We're not actually studying. We're not actually allowing it to teach us. So in light of that, figure out what is the best time of the day where you can be the most engaged. If you're not a morning person, then maybe the word of reading the Bible in the morning is not the best thing for you. Maybe consider putting it at night and reading it where you are actually devoting yourself to learn from it. Find the time of the day where that, is, where, where that will be the case and do it. Don't make up excuses. Number two, figure out about what, uh, what works best for you. For some of us, in order to be able to study the word of God right, I need, well, you may need a devotional. Something that it, it guides you in the, into what kind of verses you need. The last few months we have had here as uh, Synergy. Do you have that, Bruce, with you? I thought you had the Synergy. Uh, oh, I thought you had it. Okay. If you have had in the last few weeks we have done or months, we have done this uh, podcast. And you also have like this booklet that is uh, a study plan on how to study the word of God. And what days it has the dates and what passage you should be reading today. If that is what's bo- what best works for you. Then do that. If for you it's another devotional, you have New Morning, New Morning Mercies, where it's a great one that you can use and, and it keeps you accountable. Whatever that is, make sure that it works for you and use it. The third one, find someone that keeps you accountable. If we are talking about God's living word that is sharper than a two-edged sword and that he has the potential to not only peace through our soul, but also the power of salvation and for, and for guidance for us to live a life that honors him and glorifies him. If that is true, then it requires our attention and our devotion. And for that, we may need someone that can come alongside and help us. So who is that person? It can be your spouse. It could be your friend. It could be a pastor. Someone. But find someone that can keep you accountable. And then the last one. Stop making excuses. Stop being lazy and stop being careless when it comes to studying the word of God. If this is true what it is, if it is true that this is God's living word, then we better make that part of our life. We will be dumb to not make this part of our life. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the privilege that it is to study your word, Lord. It is a privilege. You, you could have chosen not to send you your actual word, Lord, but you did so that we wouldn't be, we didn't have to figure it out on our own, Lord. And I pray that we will make this a priority in our life. That we, just like we prioritize other nonsense, Lord, that we will see this as the most important thing on our daily life, Lord. And that we will do whatever it takes to devote ourselves to studying it and to apply it. I pray, Lord, that you will challenge us this week and that moving on today and tomorrow and every day of moving forward, Lord, that we will do that. That we will stop making excuses, being lazy or careless, Lord, and that we will study your word because it is profitable, because it would make us capable to stand pure in a cold that is so impure, and because it is what you have required us to do, Lord. We pray this in your name. Good morning and Maranatha.